Here we go. You're listening to Rumination Thursday, Law and Gospel. On the first day of October in the year of our Lord, 2020, I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and my co-host with me is Pastor Wes Reimnitz. Hi, Wes. Hi, Tom. Hard to believe it's October. You said that on purpose, didn't you? Hard to believe. Hard to believe. (laughs) Because that's what we're going to be talking about today. (laughs) Yeah, I got the idea from uh, CFW Walther yesterday where he was giving a little bit of history why so many Lutherans left Germany and came to the United States. And the reason was because a new philosophy had entered into the churches called rationalism. And therefore, they wanted to preach God's word apart from rationalism, which by uh, the, the main reason of rationalism is reason becomes the source of knowledge. And we believe in empiricism, which means the senses suffice as justifying knowledge. And rationalism began having sermons in Germany about proper crop rotation and so forth. Because they would take a look at how farmers were planting and those who got the biggest harvest then were to follow their example. And that was sermons uh, talking about those things. Um, I'll give you an example from evolution. I believe Mm. there's two kinds of scientists historical scientists, and observational scientists. Now, science kind of has figured out that with a speed of light at 186,000 miles per second, that there are stars that are so far away, it it would take thousands of years for the light to reach the Earth. So... Reason says, well, obviously then those stars must be thousands and thousands of years old. And the earth, they think, is millions of years old in order that all these things happen. Whereas an observational scientist recognizes that light has reached the earth from these stars, but that doesn't mean that it took that long from the creation of the star for the light to reach the earth, it could have been done in the six 24-hour days of creation that God has. And so that's the difference between scientists who observe what is going on on earth, like diamonds in the earth, and then they jump to historical conclusions about how long it took that diamond to be formed. And that's why you have such lengthy ages of the earth which is in direct contradiction of Genesis, where God created everything, including the light from the stars reaching the earth in six 24-hour days. I think that's a reasonable explanation uh, of, of what you're talking about. I Just listening to it, it makes me, you know, same way with uh, with minerals, for instance, diamonds. That they said that diamonds are developed from coal under pressure. That took thousands of thousands of years to to develop a diamond. 
why not right at the time of creation? God gave us diamonds, gold, silver, all kinds of precious metals. And oil was already in the ground. Right. Etc. And mountains were already formed. And, um, yeah, I was ta- listening to an evolutionist recently who talked about that there were certain animals before there were even trees on Earth. And I kind of laughed at that because <laughs> one of the things God told Adam and Eve, don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there were already trees. And, of course, if, if you were a scientist and walked into the Garden of Eden on the sixth day after creation, how old would you have expected Adam and Eve to look? Uh, as a creationist? Um as I a scientist, right around what? As a scientist, as a scientist, right? I would say uh, if they were adults um, in their twenties. Yes, I agree with you, and yet mm. they were only six days old from creation. <laughs> uh, okay. And so what we're talking about today, we're dealing with this today, where when I was at the seminary, we had a group who became Seminex, Seminary in Exile, and there were a number of professors there who did not believe the miracles. They were always trying to give a reasonable explanation of the miracle, like the feeding of the 5,000 I was taught that people had come to hear Jesus and they had brought food with them. It was under their robes and such. And when that little boy gave out his bread and fish, the rest of the people took the food out from under their robes and that's how everybody was fed. Hmm. Well, when when you're talking about reason or rationalism, are you not talking about that you are the main source of knowledge? Yes, you make the conclusions. Martin Luther made a big distinction between the kinds of reason. He wasn't against reason, or else he could never have really translated the Bible as he did, because reason helps you to understand what the words of the Bible mean. But the kind of reason that he was against is judgmental reason, where you read the Bible and you make a judgment as to whether it's true or not on the basis of reason. And a lot of uh, teachers today, even at seminaries, they do not believe in the supernatural. And so they're always trying to give a natural explanation for the miracles of Jesus. Well, it depends on where you place that reason, does it not? Whether it's in the individual or whether it's in God. Um, one of the principles of our Lutheran Reformation is sola scriptura, which is scripture alone. Yes. Uh, Luther, wouldn't Luther say that scripture alone and we, we go with and then we use our reason in keeping our minds straight with what God's word has to say? Yeah, in fact, there's a quote from Luther that when you use reason to make a judgment as to whether what the Bible says historically is true, reason becomes a prostitute. Mm 
And that's really mm. interesting. And people think he contradicted himself because he definitely uses reason in explaining the Bible, but he does it on the basis of what you just said. Scripture interprets Scripture. So reason is very helpful in helping us to understand the context of the Bible. For example, the Holy Trinity, is that reasonable? Uh, no, it wouldn't be reasonable to exactly. a natural man. No, exactly. In fact, I'm really glad you brought that up, natural man, because there are numerous Bible passages to show that the natural man cannot figure out the Bible. The one I want to quote is 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13 and following. Here's what Paul says. These things we are speaking about are not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You, you mm. can't get a better verse to show that an unbeliever simply cannot understand the Bible uh, the way it is. In fact, those with minimal faith, maybe just brought into the faith, how many times do you recall that the disciples kept questioning Jesus about what he was saying? Oh, it was many times. Yes. You know, Luther, there's another way Luther used reason. Did you know that? You know well, it. there's many ways, but I don't know which one you're thinking about. I'm thinking of the Apostles' Creed in, its, in, the, in the small catechism. When it's the third article, I believe in the, I believe I cannot by my own reason or strength believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him, but, but, uh, Holy Spirit, even though him has called me by the gospel and has lightened me with his right. gifts and kept me in the one true faith. Yeah, that's you know, there, a reasonable conclusion from what the Apostles' Creed is saying. And, and that's why we take people through catechetical instruction. Right. He, he would say uh, in some of his later works that uh, once you'd come to faith and you were enlightened by the Holy Spirit, you, you could make reasonable enlightened texts based upon the scriptures, as he said yes. before. Reason no longer is a judge of whether the scripture is true. It becomes a servant helping us to understand what reason is. Now, and isn't that, isn't that what you had uh, experienced when you were at the seminary? That kind of reasoning from the scripture versus uh, by my own strength, my own knowledge that God shamed them to bring the fish out. Yes. Yeah, there's just no doubt about it. I mean, almost every miracle they had a natural explanation for. I remember Jesus put a bunch of demons in pigs. They ran over the hill and drowned. 
their explanation was the man wasn't demon possessed. He was an epileptic and he went into mm-hmm. a seizure and that's what scared the pigs. And they ran down the hill into the water and drowned. Mm. We were actually taught that. Wow. Uh, but, but also when we, when we look at this reason today, not just only in, in terms of evolution and scientists and things like this in the theological realm, but we run across this by th- this so-called decision theology. Yes, because they're trying to answer a question. Why are some people saved and others are not? Mm-hmm. And yesterday on Law and Gospel, we were looking at CFW Walter's writings against Melanchthon who made comments like this, that the reason some are saved, there is something within them that moves God to save them. And of Mm. course, there is no evidence, no Bible verse that backs that up. We have no idea why God chooses people to be saved because he does it out of his grace. And what's the definition of grace? You get what you don't deserve. Right. Excellent. And, and so obviously, if you deserve to be saved, then it's not by grace. Mm. Excellent See, point by CFW Walter. That, that runs into uh, a lot of a lot of what we're facing today. Because as I looked at this, this history of rationalism, uh, taken to its final logical conclusion, one one writer I saw said it, it will lead to atheism. Well, there's That's no true. doubt about that. Yes, because I was listening to a lecture recently by an atheist, and he asked the audience this question, how many of you believe in astrology? And nobody mm-hmm. put their hand up. Then he said, how many of you are religious? And a whole bunch of people put their hand up. And he made the point that just as astrology has been shown to be untrue, like where the stars are depends what kind of person you are, so also religion needs to go through that process so people will realize that religious thought is as untrue as is astrology. Isn't that what interesting how far these atheists go? And it's part of his natural uh, belief system that he he somehow came to that knowledge. But isn't it true, though, God instills in, in our hearts a natural knowledge or a general knowledge of God that we, for like in Romans chapter 1, we can, we can see from creation around us that there is a God. Yes, uh, there can be those who believe there's a God, but I don't like using those evidences. Um, Mm. When I drive with Uber, my favorite question to somebody once we get into a theological discussion while I'm driving them to their location is, do you believe in God? And often they'll say yes. Then it's my next question is, what promise does your God give you? And there's Mm -hmm. often silence. 
And the God they're believing in is a creator God, which is truly the God of the Bible, but not in the sense in which they make it. There's no thinking on their part that God becomes a human being and pays for our sins by dying on a cross. And, And therefore, they have an American view of God, which really is a form of idolatry because the God they believe in simply doesn't exist. Yes. And that goes back to what we've always said previously through and done. And in their minds, you have to do something to merit God's favor. And in God's realm of thinking, it's already been done through Jesus Christ. Uh, yes, you made a very good point. One of the things we need to talk about is the opposite of rationalism in taking a look at the Bible is called fideism. Uh, Fideism comes from the word faith, and it believes that what the Bible says we believe independent from judgmental reason, which is at times very hostile to the Bible. And fideism, therefore, believes in the Trinity, as we said. And uh, another good example of fideism is that Jesus rose from the dead. That's mm-hmm. just not reasonable, is it? No. But again, that's, that's back to Luther's explanation of the uh, third article. You know, I can not by my own reason and strength to come to him, but the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel and enlightened me with the gifts that uh, as we come to faith, it's by, the, by uh, God instilling us. For instance, in Romans 10, faith comes from hearing and hearing the word of Christ. is sharing that. Or for many of us uh, at our infant baptism when the Holy Spirit was put into our hearts through the water and the word. Yes. Great points that God works bringing faith through the word or through the sacraments And that's why we have the Lord's Supper, because we need that strengthening, hearing those promises again and again. But those promises make no sense to someone who doesn't have faith. Like when we receive the bread and the wine, how can anybody believe that in, with, and under that bread and wine is the true body and blood of Jesus Christ? They, they can't believe that because it isn't found when they take it to a laboratory or this sort of thing. But because we are empiricists, we believe that which the Bible says, the plain words of Scripture. Okay, I got one for you. Go what, do you do with, what do you do with Swingley? When he said, this is my body is a representation, we believe he was a believer. And Luther said, no, it is... This is my body based upon the word. Yes. And in fact, what Luther did, he wrote on the table that was dusty, hoc est corpus meum, which is Latin for this is my body, trying to prove to Zwingli, didn't matter what his theories were, that's what the Bible says. I I had a truck driver who would uh, listen to me He'd go home on weekends and then tape the programs because you can get them archived on KFUO and listen to them as he drove around. He ended up 
putting on his truck, Hulk as Corpus Mayhem. He painted it on his truck. And you, he was telling me of the times that other truck drivers, you know, when they were at a restaurant or something, saw it. And what does that mean? And then he was able to share the message of Jesus Christ with them. I thought that was brilliant. There you go, an evangelist. Yes, we're all evangelists, and we need to take the opportunities. Now, when I drive Uber, I'd say I get into a conversation like this only about 30 to 40% of the time, because sometimes I'm picking up more than one person, and they're talking about what they need to be talking about while we're driving around. But every now and then, I can get up to four people in the, the car, and one sits in the front, three in the back, and we get talking about this. And I, I love it when they start arguing with each other. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yes. And the best times occurs when they find out I'm a pastor. And I just say I'm a pastor. I never say what, because the next question they'll ask is, oh, what denomination, what church? I say Lutheran. And then they'll say, well, I'm Roman Catholic. What's the difference? And then if they're Methodist, Presbyterian, etc., I point out the differences. I say, well, I would say about 80% of what you believe, I believe also. But then you have that 20% where there are some Christians that actually don't believe in baptism of infants. There are some Christians who think you can invite Christ into your heart and that's how you're saved. And so I I go through whatever their faith is. um, I kind of know where the leaders of that faith speak contrary to what the Bible says. And I'll mention it. It doesn't mean that those people, if they believe that contrary doctrine are going to hell. No, but it does show that there are differences between the denominations. That's why we take people, I would take them through an 18 to 20 week adult instruction course because we really want them to make their own decision as to whether or not they'll join the Lutheran church. And so we have to really go through. And what book do uh, we use when we kind of do catechism? I use a small catechism. For both adults and and youth. Yes. Yeah, Luther's small catechism, he uses reason to explain, like the Ten Commandments, thou shalt have no other gods before me. What does this mean? And he uses other Bible verses. We should fear, love, and trust in God above all things. And that almost always takes an hour to explain because people are having trouble with the word fear. It sounds like we are saying that we should be afraid of God, whereas fear really doesn't mean that. It means we are aware that he could send us to hell, but he doesn't because of Jesus Christ. And, you know, we take that time during catechism to talk about decision theology and what it means to be called by the Holy Spirit. Yes. And those, those, and 
what it means to have your sins forgiven, and and it was done by Christ upon the cross, and it's not something we do. Yes. Uh, thanks so very much for being with us, helping people to understand that the reason there's so much nonsense in the United States is people are returning to rationalism where they only use their reason to interpret reality. And that's really sad. So, the next Law and Gospel tomorrow, open mic Friday. But because we're not in the studio, we like to respond to letters you may send us. You can get the address at the end of the program. And also emails. I'm Tom Baker, and you listen to Wes Reimnitz. Till the next time, God bless you. Listen to Law and Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law and Gospel, please make your check payable to Concordia Mission Society and mail it to Tom Baker, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132. To give online, visit lawandgospel101.com or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962.